Gook's house. All right. So we got USF tonight. We got to preview that, talk through that game all episode long. Plus, at the end, we'll talk some about the disrespect of the basketball program has gotten as the number one team overall as we're back into basketball for a little bit. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you're a UH fan or just a hater came to stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you can get the news, us in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. That's how you found us. If not, make sure you go find us there. We're giving away another set of, uh, we're calling it a t-shirt, prize package, shorts, because sparkle. The folks behind me want to cha- uh, tag in and hand some stuff out two we're gonna be doing that giveaway at 500 subs it looks like we're getting close to four um you guys are incredible keep hitting subscribe keep hitting uh, upvote uh, forward it to your friends to be in the contest we gotta get to 500 subscribers and you need to be commenting down below now if you cannot think of something to comment with tell me if you like checks mix or gardettos now in today's episode we're getting back to basketball um previewing the usf basketball game on wednesday night uh, for the first couple segments. And then the last segment, we're going to look exclusively at kind of like what this disrespect means for Houston, kind of how they're going to fight their way out of that in the terms of the basketball program. So first segment, I'm going to look down what I've noticed in watching two games at USF, uh, what they do well or what their guys look like. Second segment, I'm going to kind of give away after those, my takeaway, after looking at that, my takeaways and uh, what I think the game's going to look like. And like I said, that third segment is looking at just the disrespect that the Houston Cougars See, so USF um, is not great. And I say that because um, I think that their record currently uh, makes people think like, oh, well, they're going to be no good, right? I don't know if they're quite no good, um, but they're certainly not Houston level good, right? Um, currently, they're 7-9 and 0-3 and in conference. Um, and I think it'd be easy to watch that game like, oh, man. This is going to be another one of those games where Houston's putting up, you know, record-breaking numbers. You know, win at Tulsa was the highest road win in conference uh, in Houston history. Um, and so it looks like, oh, they're 0-3. They could be that kind of game. But they lost to Memphis uh, by just seven. They lost to Temple by four. And they lost to Wichita State by four. That is to say that they could very well, with a few b- ball bouncing here or there, they could be 3-0 in conference. Those three wins would also, I should say, put them at ten and six. And this is a very different basketball team all of a sudden, um, especially in factoring like they have some like, uh, you know, difficult I'll say uh, pre-conference games. Most notably, they lost a, a closer one than it seemed at Auburn. I guess they lost by a total of eight points, but they were ahead for a lot of that game um, in the first half, especially. Um, and then we had a common opponent in uh, St. Joe's. And they beat St. Joe's. Now they didn't quite beat St. Joe's in the same kind of dominant fashion that Houston did. They win did win by 13 points at a neutral site. Um, and so I say that is to say that like this is a good basketball team. They are, you know, their engine of sorts is this kid named Tyler Harris. Tyler Harris is a five nine spark plug point guard. I uh, think about like when we played Virginia and it all went through uh 
the kid's name escapes me at the moment, but like they, they steer it all. It's the same kind of system with them. Um, Ty Harris is five nine, just a buck fifty, but he's a very like a true senior veteran kid from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, kind of has a Tennessee toughness. He's also one of two kids on their roster as a ranked high school recruit. If you're into that kind of a thing, he's their high scorer. Um, he kind of does a lot of things, but I really, really worry about him in catch and shoot instances. Once he's got the offense going, uh, he kind of ends up being the kickout man when something hasn't gone right. Right. Um, and so he, he shoots, I believe it's 37, 37 and a half percent on fairly high attempts over five attempts per game. So it's the kind of guy someone's got to get out there with um, their big man. Like when you watch them on film, Little man sticks out, big man sticks out. Um, Russell Shiwa, um, he is seven foot two sixty. I'd imagine a positive wingspan, big long arms, and he is a giant. Sticks out on screen against even guys like Auburn, Power Five types teams as a giant. Um, and so obviously he's number four. He's hard to miss, um, but I'd imagine he has an impact on the game. They also started in their most recent contest. Sam Hines, a six six shooter. Keyshawn Bryant, kind of a 6'5", long, lanky, athletic guy. And then uh, Selton Miguel, who kind of does a little bit of a lot of different things at 6'4". Um, so fairly like traditional size distribution, right? Small guard, three medium-sized wings, and one giant. Um, and so they also bring three more or two more wing-sized guys, uh, Jameer Chaplin and Ryan Carwell, off the bench. And then Corey Walker, excuse me, Corey Walker's a 6'8", big that it kind of feels like their own Jawan Roberts kind of big. He's not as good as Jawan Roberts. He's coming off their bench, but the same kind of concept where he's six, eight, but he's long, he's big, he's strong. He hustles, plays a lot bigger than that. Um, all in all is to say that like they're built like a very strong basketball team. And so the matchups as I see it, uh, starting point guard, Ty Harris probably get Jamal shed matched up on him. Big man, Rosh Shiwa. Uh, I imagine he gets uh, Jawan Roberts and Reggie Cheney and Javier Francis and some sort of rotation going through on him. Uh, Sam Hines is a 6'6 shooter, but because he's kind of their next biggest guy, I would imagine Samson puts Jairus Walker on him. Um, the only thing I could see is if because he's a shooter, he's constantly out of the movements and actions, and we've seen Jairus have trouble with some help side stuff, just you know, growing up kind of things, and maybe Samson moves him out of that situation. But I think for the time being, he starts there. Um, Keyshawn Bryant is a, again, six, five guard perimeter type guy with some moves. I think that's Tremont Mark got his name all over it. Same kind of athlete. Um, and then Selton Miguel that leaves the six, four, uh, again, guy ha- like, you know, master, uh, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. I think that's going to be left to Marcus Sasser to kind of take out of their instance. It's felt like in the two games I watched in both, uh, Dartmouth and against, uh, Auburn, it felt like Seth Miguel kind of found his spot and like made really, really valuable contributions along the way. And so that's where I could see Marcus Sasser tagging in. Speaking of tagging in, if you need someone to help tag in with you these days, let me recommend tagging in with betonline.net. Now, betonline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, analysis, and more. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to the wrapped-up college bowl season now. Uh, basketball, they got it all covered at betonline.net. If you sports podcast, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It's the latest and fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the pro football weekend. Uh, it's like the extra 
wild card weekend extravaganza to a bunch of football games this weekend. However, if you took my advice on the uh, national championship game, I'm sorry. TCU kept it close than 13 points all year. I, I kind of thought they would again, and I'm sorry. But I'm just going to go through right here. They have the Seahawks favored by 10. Uh, sorry, they have the San Francisco 49ers favored by 10 points over the Seahawks. I'm saying 10 Niners and the points there. This can't be right, but I'm seeing a spread of zero. It's just a pick em with Jacksonville and the Chargers. Jacksonville's home. The Chargers kind of lucked their way in and just had a big injury. I'm taking Jacksonville there. The Bills are favored by 10.5 over the Dolphins. We don't know if two is playing as of yet. And also, there's something like Team of Destiny feeling about the Bills right now. So I'm going with the Bills there. I'm taking the Giants in the road to upset the Minnesota Vikings. They got the Minnesota Vikings favored by three. But the game is at 4.40 p.m. And we know what happens to Kirk Cousins after dark. Uh, I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are favored by six and a half points over the Baltimore Ravens. That's a fun matchup because it's a divisional matchup, too. Uh, so it's the third time those teams have played this year. Um, but moreover, I think Joey B looked a lot better down the stretch of the season. And, uh, you know, Baltimore didn't. Um, Dallas Cowboys head on Monday night to play Tampa and are favored on the road by two and a half points. And while I mean, I see a team from Texas do well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this is setting up for the worst week of radio. You're going to have to either hear about the Dallas Cowboys collapsing and what are they going to do to fix all the things. And you're going to have to hear about how Tom Brady did all the things, even though they had a crappy regular season. I imagine that all happens because Tom Brady comes back to win this game at home. Why? Why is this team with a losing record get a home playoff game? Can we fix that NFL? Anyway, Cowboys laid an egg in the last regular season game. The Bucks have Tom Brady, and it's a home playoff game, and I I just am not picking against it right now. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. That's what I'm going with. So those are my picks for the weekend. Um, again, sorry if I'm wrong. I was wrong in the last championship game. It was right about the week before, though. So, you know, take it as you please. But you should make all of those kinds of picks or bet against me at betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right. So... What I do have to say in looking at this game is I think um, while I'm impressed by South Florida after watching them play a couple games in a way that I frankly didn't expect to be after looking at their statistics and stuff. I mean, on Kim Palm, they rank uh, after 100 in both adjusted efficiency on offense and defense. Uh, actually, offense is in the 200s, and um, they turn over at a very high rate. Um, right at 153, which is like mediocre across all of Division One college basketball, not just like the kind of college basketball that like has a shot at the tournament or whatever. Um, I I expected to see kind of a sloppy basketball team, and truthfully, I imagine if I'm South Florida, they're they're probably kicking themselves over losing to Auburn. They probably should have won that basketball game. Instead, they turn around and lost it. St. Joe's looked to be uh, the game that. that opposite happened where they kind of should have won that game and then down the end they didn't lose it they didn't fumble the bag there and they end up winning that one at a neutral site um the dartmouth game first of all if you're ever scouting things all ivy league things are online for free so that was really easy to find that's why i found that one um they won that game close but i had to say that some weird stuff anyway they won that game close i again i i thought that that was an impressive win at home kind of gutted one out for a number of different reasons um right before the holiday um Memphis, again, was a close game. Memphis had to score 93 points to beat these guys. Uh, that's not something Penny Hardaway's club has had to do a whole lot against South Florida. Um, same with Temple, a uh, four-point game. Same with Utah State, four-point game. So as I look across those, um, again, I thought I was looking for looking at a bad team. 
And then I got here and I was watching a not so bad team. The big thing I think they want to try to do early is establish the big man, uh, big uh, Russell Shewa, um, seven footer. What they're trying to do a couple times in uh, the Auburn game, especially, which first of all, he's a, the type of big that outsizes power five bigs. So um, that's the kind of size we're talking about here. Um, but they would run all kinds of dribble handoff uh, interchange actions to kind of get the out, the perimeter of the offense four out one in kind of stuff guessing. And then meanwhile, big man's doing work and then he is sealed off on the inside on one side of the lane and those dribble handoffs have it to where if they can quickly dump it in before he gets three second counts. All of a sudden he has sealed off half of the lane with his right hand or his left hand. And he's got said defender on his back hip. It's going to be really, really hard for Juwan Roberts or Javier Francis or Reggie Cheney to stay in front of that. The constant movement there along the perimeter means you've got to be constantly fighting to stay in front of the post I'm sorry, I hit my microphone there, but because the moment you don't fight across from like right side of the lane to left side of the lane to stay in front of the post, they're going to dribble handoff, and then that guy's easy entry pass for dunk, right? Um, and that's a really, really like simple way to do it. If you go back and watch, like this guy's not Wilt Chamberlain, but if you go back and watch like Wilt tape, that's the kind of movement Wilt was doing. The, the deal is Wilt was just not at Connor's pump, you believe. He's not just seven foot, he's also crazy quick and athletic and agile. And so like he would be dancing in the middle of the lane, right? That's why they extend the width of the lane because of the guy like that, right? Um, so interesting to see how they use that in against Houston. I will say to Jawan Roberts' advantage, he's certainly more fleet of foot. And so uh, I think the dancing in front of to front the post, you hope to maybe get a three-second call and have to force them to do something else, right? Um, the thing that got them against Auburn, it kind of kept Auburn in the game early, which led to Auburn eventually getting the lead late. Again, this game was in Auburn, um, was lazy passes. The kind of passes that you'll see Marcus Sasser pick sixes back for dunks, kind of passes that Jamal Shell would be taken back down for lobs, and that kind of stuff that um, Cincinnati had moments of, but not a lot of. South Florida had a lot of against Auburn. And I don't think of Auburn as the same kind of defensive team as Houston is by any stretch. It looked more self-inflicted by South Florida. And if they do that kind of stuff against Houston, this could be one of those big bad days. Um, I, I don't know if it will be. This kind of strikes me as more like an 18-point game, 16-point game, not a 40-point game, but we'll see. Um, the big attention, once you've got that, they then, you know, if you have to focus and double down and that kind of stuff, they then get into the dribble drive and drop off kind of game um, because you have so much focus interior that they can kind of like, nitpick and dive down and take away some of those uh, driving lanes off the bounce. Because again, while Tyler Harris is just 5'9", he's super quick. And then the other three guys, Sam Hines, Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Bryant, and uh, Selton Miguel, or I guess uh, Jamal Chaplin when he's, he's the next highest minute guy, are all about 6'4", 6'4", 6'5". I guess technically, Sam Hines listed at 6'6". They're all long. They can all put on the ground, and they can all uh, get to the rim. And so, honestly, that's the kind of thing where Houston's going to have to make sure that they, uh, the coach is saying is guard your yard, right? You got a yard either way. If I'm standing in front of you, I got to be able to cover you for a yard that way and a yard that way. And if I can do that and keep you going side to side, you're going to have to ditch the ball and do something else, right? Um, everyone on Houston, once they get into that kind of an offense, going to have to guard the yard. And frankly, I feel fairly confident about Houston doing that as long as they're not trying to do stupid things like – Gamble for steals early. I think they can frustrate them in a number of different ways. Speaking of frustrating, one thing that both Dartmouth and Auburn had success with, 
um, Auburn obviously to a greater extent was a full court press, a full court type of pressure. Houston's full court pressure is typically more of a man based stuff uh, where Auburn want to do more zone based stuff. Um, but in principle, Hines is a little point guard. And so he's trying to get rid of the ball before he gets trapped because even with Shed and Sasser being six, one and six, two a piece, it's hard for him to see over traps. And so he's smart about getting rid of the ball, but he's also the guy that can like distribute the ball like a true point guard can. And thus they had trouble with the press at least. Right. Um, it's what brought Auburn back into it. And it's what kind of kept Dartmouth in it in that game. I don't know that Houston will need to, but I almost kind of hope they do because I'm interested to see what does the Houston press look like against a team that struggles with it. Because we haven't seen when necessary, a, a full court pressure out of Houston yet this season. I mean, Alabama and uh, Virginia being two of the closest games of the year, right? Or not the kind of games where Houston needed to go to it. Uh, frankly, Central Florida was a kind of team where I'm not sure I would have pressed, but I, I, I could be proven wrong there. And so um, anyway, I, I wonder what that pressure would look like if Houston decided to turn it on like that, it's very anti-Sanson. Sanson doesn't go to it very often in the time he's been at Houston as far as a full-court press goes. And again, when he does, a typical full-court man to kind of just slow their offense down because then they get down and they have like, okay, theoretically, if you have 30 seconds on the shot clock and you spend eight of it getting across half court, you're already down to 20 seconds before you get into your actions. And that's the whole point of Sanson's press. It's not to get a whole lot of turnovers. Um, if they were to turn that on and wonder what that looked like, just because I'm looking at like what kind of stuff South Florida has done with it so far. All that is to say that South Florida will put up a good rebounding fight. They got great athletes. The way that uh, the singular kid or the, the kid did from Cincinnati had five offensive. He had six rebounds, five were offensive. That kind of effort, you'll see that out of Keyshawn, Brian, Seltz, Miguel a lot from South Florida. The difference is that they have a true giant inside as well, taking up like, about like space on the rim he'll be rebounding like half of the rim and they have like the other guys athletes on the other half of the rim so transitioning from the cincinnati games to the south florida game is actually interesting because that will be a consistent coaching point i'm sure i do think this is a 18 point victory for the cougs i think it's kind of game where they're up 12 at halftime they figure some stuff out talk about it come on extend it to 25 26 and then i you know wonder if if it comes back down to earth 20 with some last ditch effort run from South Florida before it hovers around 18 or 20 or so. I don't think this is the kind of game where Houston wins by 40, but I don't think this is the kind of game where Houston's in a whole lot of trouble either. And um, in looking at Houston's schedule, you know, um, bluntly, there's not a whole lot of those. <laughs> um, and, and I don't mean that I probably shouldn't like, you know, count my chickens before they hatch, but Houston's playing at a very, very high level right now. Um, after South Florida, they got Tulane, and Tulane, I guess, did have a strong week last week, but that game is not until next Tuesday after MLK Day. Um, and then they have Temple the Sunday after that. Those are two teams that, again, have had a good first couple games in conference. We'll see what they're looking like at that point. Um, but as, as it stands, that's, that's a little bit of time <laughs> uh, to figure those kinds of things out. And so I think Houston's going to head into what's a kind of an extended weekend for the Cougs, um, undefeated in conference with a couple of very comfortable wins. Um, and you got to feel feeling good about that. We hope to see Ramon Walker. Um, you know, I, I will say that I, it sounds like because they've been so tight lipped about his injury, it might be something serious. I don't know. I have no insight on that. Um, but I hope to see him back on, 
Wednesday. We'll see. Um, and if not, I guess uh, we'll keep t- tabbing in and checking in to various press conferences to hear more about that. Biggest thing that's going to get him back and healthy for the tournaments down the stretch. We can kind of make do, um, but his hustle and effort, if anything, just at practice and preparation for those is so, so important. Speaking of so, so important, um, let's talk a little bit about, okay, let's just say it. At the end of the day here, Houston is still somehow getting disrespected across the board. Now, Houston did on Monday, we talked about football on Tuesday, I should probably say, um, Houston did come out on top of the AP poll, number one overall, followed by Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, yes, the same Alabama, Tennessee, UConn, UCLA, Gonzaga, Arizona, Texas. Um, in the top 25, you had, let me make sure I count because I'm not a math teacher. I'm a history teacher. Oh, almost got Missouri. One, two, three, four. Four Big 12 teams, um, none of which were Baylor. Baylor's still on the outside looking in with most receiving votes. They're probably, if you went all the way to 30, around that 26 mark. Um, and then Houston at the top would be a Big 12 team next season um none of the other future big 12 teams are in the even others receiving votes area i i just think it's interesting that like on kinpom and net rating you actually see like the entirety of the 10 current big 12 teams in the top 50 um so like the other half of the conference kind of fills in between 25 and 50 um and there's just a lot of disrespect if people are looking at like at houston and they're saying well why is this team on top and like citing schedule when truthfully their non-conference schedule is very, very difficult. They beat a, a power five team in Oregon on the road at their place. That's not just kind of on the road. That's a long way on the road. They beat Kent state who will be, make a run at winning the Mac. They beat St. Joe's who will make a run at winning the a 10. They beat Oral Roberts who will make a run at winning the summit. Those are teams that will be in the tournament, right? Like these are, these are good basketball teams. They beat St. Mary's on a neutral floor. Uh, they frankly had a big lead in that game, I would point out, in the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth. And St. Mary's will make a run. I mean, last year they knocked off Gonzaga, right? Like, they're, they're the kind of team that's not scared of playing number one teams in the country. They were up 15 in a long game. They lost against Alabama. Take the other way. I, I take that as a positive. Like, okay, they've shown they can play. They didn't get run out of the gym. They can play with that team. Um, and then they beat Virginia on the road. And then all their other games, the games that they're getting knocked for, for the, these like very easy, oh, you play in the American Conference. Like, okay, we line up and play and we beat them like you're supposed to beat them. Like, you want to say, well, everyone that's in the top 10 would run over Tulsa. Yeah, but we did run over Tulsa, right? That's not like there was some like close game that like, oh man, Houston barely beat. No, when you say every other team, a power five, a, you know, a, a blue blood, a, a Kansas or whoever would run through Tulsa, Houston did. Central Florida has a top 15 pick on their basketball team and Houston handled business with them in a very competitive game and will likely I'm picking up. I mean, not to drop too much tea here. I, I think they do it again at the end of the month. So what I'm getting at is that like theoretically all of these things are like, well, you know, even let me go back to top 25, even, uh, you know, UConn would absolutely destroy SMU. Yeah, but Houston did destroy SMU. Like you think the other teams will. And that's, I think, and I'm, I'm getting riled up here, but that I think is why I don't understand that criticism about the Cougs. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that another team would do exactly what Houston did. 
anyway, uh, we'll be talking about Houston and South Florida all night on Twitter and then be posting the post game tomorrow. So make sure you uh, A, subscribe so you get that post game. B, follow me at Painsworth512. That's P A I N S W O R T H 512 on all your social media handles. We'll be talking all things Cougs, Rockets, Astros. Texans, uh, sneakers, whatever you want to do all the time. Make sure you find me at Pains with 512. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. If you're looking for another podcast, let's do it. Please make Locked on College Basketball your second listen of the day. They're doing a great job of covering the entire college basketball landscape over there. So make sure you give, go give Andy and Isaac a shout out and a listen. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In our case, the number one team in the country. Go Cougs.